Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Kamaria. It's Rita. How are you? you. Good, my goodness. It seems so long ago that we met, but it hasn't even been a month. I know. I guess with everyone being isolated, it just seems like time has been going by, like, so slowly. Absolutely. It is, it is insane. It is, it is so much changes. Absolutely. So how are you and your family? We are fine. So right now I'm in my son's bedroom. And the reason why I'm saying <laughs> it is my son goes to UMD. It's quiet here. And wow, he really did clean his room. It is spotless. Um, he's back at, I mean, school is not in session, but um, he went back to campus just because he lives off campus. But yeah, his room is so clean. <laughs> that it's is spotless. great. That is great. Well, I want to let folks know that um, this evening on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show, we are talking to Margarita Rita Chang, and she is the Chief Executive Officer at Blue Ocean Global Wealth. And um, as you were listening to us talk, we met at the Women Elevating Women uh, Conference, which is hosted by Betty Hine who's been on the Stroke Diva Fabulous radio show and uh, the award-winning Ed Brown show in Bowie, Maryland. And it's a great uh, place, a forum for women to network, um, but really elevate one another and uh, just show the best of the best um, of what's going on in social media and business. We have some, I mean, phenomenal women that I have interviewed so far and will continue to interview uh, this month and next month that I met through Betty Hines in this amazing conference. And so, Rita, I really wanted to talk to you because when you were doing your talk, I was so moved about your story. Um, you know, you are a financial guru, but the story of how you started and why you started was so moving that I wanted to have you on to, to talk about that. Um, kind of start from the beginning for us. Well, thank you and then so we'll talk about Blue Ocean. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your kind words, and I am so um, delighted that we were able to connect at Women Elevating Women um, because it is a wonderful venue to meet other women and celebrate and elevate them. Um, so without further ado, so I'm Rita. Uh, you can call me Margarita or Rita. I answer to both, whatever um, 
is easier for you. I'm happy with both. Um, so I can t tell you a little bit about me and my story. So my dad was born in China and came to the U.S. by way of Taiwan. Um, so my dad will say this, born in China, educated in Taiwan, and American. Um, my mom is Eastern European, of Eastern European and Irish descent. So I am multiracial, multicultural, I, and growing up, um, as I mentioned, I'm the eldest of three girls. And this is very funny because traditionally, Chinese people did favor boys. And I think that's still the case. But my dad had three girls. And people would say to my dad, hey, Paul, what are you going to do? You have three girls. You're going to have to pay for these weddings. Now, my dad was very witty. He would say, oh, no, 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 this is Asian style. Asian style, the man pays for the wedding. So um, I put some humor about money because my dad was of the mindset that money's not just for boys or girls or men or women. We have to talk about money, but money is not everything. Money, my dad told me this. He's like, because money does not buy happiness, but it brings you opportunities. And it is so important that you don't squander those opportunities. And he would also say, having more money with those opportunities, you do have more peace of mind. But do not measure your self-worth by your net worth. It's important to invest in yourself in education. And so that's always been my story. I believe that it is so important for me to change the face of wealth and to engage in meaningful conversations so that people, there isn't just one image when we think about what it means to be wealthy. Wow. Rita, are you still there? Yes, yes, there's a pause. I apologize for the brief pause. I just wanted to give you time to speak. Oh, okay. I I love that story. Wise, wise father. Um, and what he's saying is so true. You know, people always say, oh, money can make you happy. and But you know what? It can make you comfortable. You, you can pay your bills. You can be a, a philanthropist. You can do a lot of things with it. But it doesn't always... Um, for a lot of folks, because we see it especially with celebrities, it doesn't bring you complete uh, happiness. And it's a, a tool that we have to use in order to, uh, to, to live our best lives, that's for sure. But Rita, talk to us about, um, you worked for Ameriprise, you, you've been in finance. T tell us about your financial journey. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, I was the, you know, I'm the eldest of three girls and I graduated from high school when I was 17 and I went off to college and I was on the STEM track and I'm very good at math and statistics, but I'm just going to confess. I think it's important to have a little bit of humor. Physics was very hard for me, like engineering physics. I kind of felt like I hit a wall and I found myself in the dorm helping my dorm mates with math and econ and stats. And that's when a light bulb went off. And I was like, wow, I can use these 
concepts and mathematics to help people make better business decisions. So I graduated with double degrees in East Asian language and literature and finance. And it's really important that I mention those double degrees because that gave me the opportunity to live and work overseas. I won a scholarship to work uh, in to, to study and then work in Tokyo. So my first job is I was an analyst. And I mean, it paid well, but there was something missing here. It seemed very transactional. So when I came back stateside, I earned my second degree. And then I read every book I could about personal finance. Um, and I decided, even though I was very mature, I, I, I kind of felt that would clients take me seriously? Who am I to tell them to save for retirement when I'm 24 years old? So what I did is I did help my husband prepare for CPA exam, the CPA exam, and help him get his financial house in order. Uh, we also bought a, we bought a home and I had two kids. And it was that point where I had a pivot and I was like, you know what? I want to take these concepts in corporate finance, and this is what I think you heard at Women Elevating Women, where it's about strong balance sheets. What well, means a strong net worth statement? Um, instead of income statement or statement of cash flow, that means budget. So I wanted to take these concepts and help individuals and families be better stewards of their wealth to be able to do what was important to them. Um, I think it's important to manage your time well and your money, but I also think we need to manage our health. And I've actually thrown a fourth thing in there. I told my kids, I said, you guys need to manage your time, your money, and your health well, but I'm gonna throw a fourth thing in there, emotions. So mm. that is why I felt, and I tell people, younger people, older people, all people um, of all walks of life, I was like, sometimes it is just as important for you to say what it is that you don't like as much as what you like. I didn't like how, like, sometimes corporate finance could be just so corporate and transactional. I was troubled by that. I'm like, there's real people. Who are these people? And that's when I discovered the discipline of personal financial planning. And I'm definitely a planner. After I gave birth to my son, this is so funny. I cashed out all of my leave. I studied for the certification exams. And I decided that I was going to be a financial planner. Now, I know people say, well, that's really naive. And I made cold calls. I did not do the friends and family thing because I feel so strongly about relationships. And I feel terrible if I lost my friends or family. <laughs> so I'm serious. Yes, I'm serious. So Margarita, that's me on the line. I made cold calls. <laughs> like my oh, my goodness. About I'm I'm such a giggle monster, but I tell people they weren't cold calls because they were like warm. I mean, I'm a friendly person. I can pick up the phone. And to be honest, this is a situation 
where being a woman in this business was so valuable because I would say, hi, this is Rita. And they're like, I don't need anything. I'm like, actually, he's like, who's this? And I'm like, oh, actually, my name is Margarita. And they'd be like, oh, I'll take one of those. Oh, yeah, why are you calling? And then all of a sudden, it was a conversation. So, I mean, it did take a lot of grit. And I'm going to tell you, there were times when it was rough. But instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, and praying, gosh, I want this person to sign up be my client, I changed my mindset. I was like, you know, I pray to the gods and lords above. As you know, please let these people see how much I care about them and how I can help them. And what a change in mindset. And I know um, if I'm rambling, please jump in. I know that, remember how I said I really wanted to change the face and conversation of what it meant to be wealthy. I also felt that I really wanted to change the conversation of what it what a financial planner looks like, right? Because I think part of the reason why some people are underserved is they don't feel represented. And people aren't represented because they don't feel served. It's like catch 22. But I said to myself, you know what, enough is enough. I can't worry that um, I don't fit the stereotype I am who I am, Sam I am, and I know that I need to work really hard to, I probably have to work harder than the next guy or gal, because at that time, my children were three and six months old, and I'm telling you, I did make cold calls, and before every phone session, I would walk to Starbucks, I had to get an iced milk with whipped cream, so it was the caffeine and sugar that would give me lots of energy. So when I called, like, I was in a good mood. People, I had a lot of energy, and people wanted to talk to me. Well, I mean, you are, I mean, you have a wonderful, fabulous personality, which is why I was so drawn to you and listening to you talk at the conference. And so you, you uh, started Blue Ocean because you wanted to do more to really change the face of that, to be more multicultural, more diverse, um, you know, really helping women. So tell us, you know, how you started your company and exactly, you know, what you what you do for Blue Ocean. Absolutely. And I spent 14 years at Ameriprise. And one of the things that I did like about Ameriprise is so when I decided I want to be a planner, I had three interviews. I had an interview with one company, and I felt that they were focused a little bit more on insurance. I had an interview with another company, and I felt that they were a little bit focused on just assets. Ameriprise, yes, I'm going to say, of course, we have to get assets under management and, when appropriate, address protection, risk management, insurance. But what the reason why I decided that I felt at the time Ameriprise was right for me is we focused on planning. And this was in 99. And I feel that Today, I didn't say so, but I felt that way, and I still feel this way. I feel that planning transforms lives. I think all too often, and it's okay if people do this. I just know for the people that I want to serve and that I connect with, this tends to work better. When you focus on planning, 
you first focus on the people, what is important to them, right? You get to know who they are. You get to hear their story. Then you get to hear their philosophy about how they feel about investing, about risk, about their community, about their faith, their hobbies, you name it. Financial planning then starts this process. And the last, of course, you have to help people implement the plan. But the last part of the plan is really implementation or products. All too often, I felt that people were so focused on looking at the person, okay, how much money does the person have? And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start my own firm. I, I want to stress, Ameriprise was an amazing place. That's where I learned so much. But I wanted to be able to flip the business model instead of, here's how much money I have. And I think I successfully was able to do this at Ameriprise, but I wanted to be able to write and reach more people. Um, the other thing that's also very material is my dad started to become very sick with Parkinson's disease, and I also have three kids. So it wasn't that I didn't want to work. I just didn't want to be in a situation the only way I received compensation was from, um, you know, getting new clients, grabbing more assets, selling more insurance and all that. I, I, I was able to still be productive, still serve my clients. I communicated to my clients about my dad's illness. My dad had Parkinson's disease. And I made a commitment to my clients that during this time, I was going to focus on my family and them. And I wasn't necessarily going to be put in a position where I had to grow so aggressively and compromise the quality of service I was giving them or compromise the quality of care I could give my dad. And I knew my dad was really sick. But from the moment I resigned from Ameriprise, the date of my dad's death, it was 15 months. And it was very scary. No, it was very scary. Um, but I know that that was the right decision for me and my family. And a lot of people ask when my daddy was sick, what, where did we do? My parents lived three blocks from me. And so I really wanted to make a commitment, if I could, to keep my dad at home. My dad... I, and I always um, really highlight this point that in some situations when someone has dementia or anger, it may not be safe to keep your loved one at home. You may have to put them somewhere for their well-being and the well-being of your family. But in the case of my dad, um, I know, and, and I feel like as a mom and planner, I, I did do a good job that he was in facility for a weekend for respite care. And I remember this because it was Chinese New Year, and we went to visit him. And my kids told me, they said, Mom, we are not leaving here. We cannot leave Grandpa here. And that was like really profound for me. It meant that my children had my back, which I know may seem that sounds ridiculous. How can little kids have your back? They were in elementary, middle, and high school. But the reason 
for wanting to be independent and have my own firm was to be able to do more things, to be able to help more people, and ultimately be able to care for my dad in the way he needed to be cared for and wanted to be cared for in his final days. Wow, Rita, that is beautiful. That is a beautiful story. And so you really do um, get it as a planner, you know, life just happens. And so with, um, you know, stories like that with your dad and with where we are now, like with COVID-19, what should we be doing now? Sure. So, um, well, this is a time of a lot of uncertainty. And as I mentioned, you know, in some ways, because we are in our homes, it seems like time is really not passing by very quickly. At the same time, things are in, um, things are very uncertain and unpredictable. So, Mm -hmm. It is so important. What I can do for people is this. I tell people financial planning does not mean that corona is not going to happen, but financial planning allows me to help clients know about their assets, their liabilities, their income, their insurance, and benefits through their job, as well as their expenses. And that's very helpful because two weeks ago, two weeks ago, a client called me and he said, I'm so blessed that I have my job, but I've been furloughed, meaning I still have my job. I still have my insurance benefits and I'm incredibly grateful that, but my pay has been reduced by 20%. What does that mean for my financial plan? And I was able to tell the clients that he and his family were going to be okay and I could tell he's very committed to saving for his goals and I said your income has been cut by 20% I know you wanted to max out your 401k if you need to adjust it is certainly okay to adjust this is why we have financial plans they are strategic but then there are moments where we can be tactical and pivot and adjust. Um, the other thing that I help that client do is we don't just talk on about investments, the stock market down. I said, you know what? The stock market is very volatile. I am not going to misrepresent. But this is also an opportunity. And no, I'm not suggesting you take your cash and dump it in the market. Can you do me a favor? Can you scan me your mortgage statement? Because I want to see if it makes sense for you to refinance. And I'm here to tell you, during this uncertainty, I'm not just talking about investments, we're talking about their mortgages, their insurance. If someone has experienced loss of income or job loss, coaching them on how to um, apply for unemployment benefits. So all these things, I mean, I feel very, um, how can I say, you it, you you have a job, and then you have a profession. I feel like financial planning is my calling, and I'm really glad that I listened to it. So as I mentioned early on, it's so important to know what you like, 
but I think it's also important to say what you don't like. And I am very grateful that, you know, after the birth of my son, my second child, I have three, I really listen to myself. I'm very intuitive. And I felt that I wanted to be able to work with individuals and families do financial planning because I know it impacts lives and generations to come. And that is really an amazing feeling. Right. And how do we start, especially at a time like this? I mean, how do we start if you haven't already trying to generate that, that, uh, that legacy of, of wealth or that generational wealth? Sure. So first I tell people it is never too early to start, and it's certainly never too late to start. Um, what I do like about planning is financial planning is accessible. I remember early on, um, some people would say to me, they're like, hey, Rita, you know, I don't have any money to invest. And I said, you know what, it's not just about investing, about like planning, taking a look at what you have, so what you have coming in, your income, and what you have going out, your expenses. And it doesn't matter, you know, I, I know that some people have invested heavily in education and they might have student loan debt and there isn't much left over. But whatever you have left over, um, let's say, I'm going to say, because this is a real story, this is the benefit of doing this a while, 20 years, 20 plus years. Let's say it's only $200 you have left. Save money in a cash reserve. Um, down your debt and then if you have money to save for retirement you save for retirement it is not the amount that is as important as the habit some of these clients I can say that have been with me a really long time we've been through first 9-11 Enron global financial crisis now corona I know that there's going to be peaks and valleys and that can be very hard, but planning, there's so much we can control. We can control, we cannot control the stock market. We cannot control interest rates. We have really no control over the economy, but it's so important to focus on what it is we can control. We can control how we save, how we invest, and how we react to things that go on. And I think that, that is very um, powerful. I know it's stressful. And I tell people it is okay to be stressed. I think I've had people just call me and tell me that they're stressed and, and that's fine. But what I don't want you to do is panic because the best way to build wealth is to stay invested. And there's gonna be times when it's terrible. It's not about timing the market but the time you are in the market. And if anything, if you realize, oh my goodness, this is a little bit too volatile, you can make adjustments. But it's like I told my client, you don't wanna all go to cash because then you miss out on the upside. But if I tell you, yeah, it's gonna be fine, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this roller coaster, that's not good for you either. So what I'm getting at is, Extremes are never good, and you have to invest 
in the SWAN portfolio. What is the SWAN portfolio? The SWAN portfolio is the sleep well at night portfolio. So that's not <laughs> the number one, right? The SWAN portfolio. <laughs> portfolio the swan portfolio is sleep well at night portfolio so if that is the best portfolio it doesn't matter if your neighbor is getting um 29 right maybe you're happy and maybe you just need 16 percent when we have this conversation you're no longer jealous or envious thinking you know, why is my neighbor getting 29 and i'm only getting 16. if you can't handle the volatility, that is okay. Then maybe you don't want 29%. So I think planning makes it more personal. And when it's more personal, you're not doubting yourself. You realize that what that the decisions you made are the right decisions for you. Wow. And Rita, so a lot during this time, a lot of people are looking at ways to start a business, you know, to, to if they have been furloughed or they've lost their job, um, they're looking for unique ways to, to generate um, money. What advice do you have for women and even for, uh, for kids, for children? Sure, absolutely. So first and foremost, what I wanted to say is if you've had loss of income or lost your job due to corona crisis, COVID-19, in the past, you may not have been eligible for unemployment benefits. I'm very careful with the language I use. Um, it is certainly worth revisiting this. You're not necessarily, I know people don't like the word entitled. You are eligible, meaning if you were a W-2 employee, your employer pays unemployment insurance into the fund. It's the social, social insurance safety net. In the past, in prior recessions, gig economy workers or 1099 may not have been eligible either. So the first thing I tell people is definitely look at the safety net to help you have some money coming in. Um, but the other thing I want, and I know we're in social isolation, so some of the things may not apply. I used to say, you know, if you're good at hair and, and makeup, you know, everybody, we, we all want to look our best. Um, assuming that corona and social isolation is not going to continue forever, um, one way in which you can, you know, have more income come in your home is look and see, like, what you're good at, what you enjoy. So if you're a kid, um, when season is coming, maybe you can um, earn your lifeguard certification, or maybe you can work at a, a camp. Um, these, these are some of the jobs that like my eldest daughter had. Um, women, you have lots of skills. Maybe you took time off to care for someone. Um, I always tell people, employers sometimes focus on titles. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that because they have a specific title. What you want to think about is what skills you have. So if you've been out of the workforce for whatever reason, and maybe you volunteered at your church or your child's school, um, you are good at project management. 
You're good at budgets. You're good at um, multitasking. These are all skills that are valuable for businesses. So I think that sometimes we can feel discouraged. And I have coached clients. Like I've gone to a coffee shop with them um, and made sure it's not in my office. And I pulled out my laptop and I said, let's build a LinkedIn profile. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing the work there for them and with them. I'm not holding myself out as a LinkedIn guru or social media, but I was like, you have to put yourself out there. Um, and I don't mean it, I'm not just wait. Sometimes it can feel very discouraged. People could have in their mind, you know what, I want to work till I'm 65, like 65 is the number. But then your mm-hmm. boss might have other plans. You know what? Uh, we're offering you early retirement, and then you're 62, and you're like, I, I really, I wanted to work till I'm 65. Um, if that's the case, and you know, you're worried maybe your Social Security benefit is too low, uh, then you can take a look at those skills you do and and understand that you have skills and abilities that are beneficial, and someone sees value in them. I mean, it has, it, it, it has happened to a, a client before where they've lost their jobs. They were kind of blindsided. And I tell people sometimes you just have to, like, take a step back, look at, make a T-chart, what you're good at and what you like to do. So this is an example. I'm just going to digress. I'm good at doing certain things, but, like, I don't really like them. But I know I have to do them. So what an example. I don't mind being on the podcast saying this. I do not prepare tax returns for people outside my immediate family. I just do it for my immediate family. I'm good at that, and it's my way of supporting my family. But I don't think that I would want to do tax returns for extra money. It would just make me crazy, right? (laughs) If my family doesn't give me something, I can nag them. I'm like, hey, you guys didn't give me this form. I can't do that. But I don't think that. I would want to do that as my side hustle. So it's important to think about what you're good at. So I just share the example. I think when I come clean, people laugh. So right. think about what you're good at and then what you actually like, right? As an example, some people might be like, I'm really good at hair, but you know what? I don't want to do someone else's hair because I don't want her complaining about it. That's fair and valid. So maybe like you do makeup because if it doesn't turn out, they just wash it off and they start all over again. Right. So, I know people always laugh every time I say that. So I think it's really important to think about your skills and interests. Think about what you are good at and what you like. And just because you're good at something, I don't want you to feel like you have to do it. We evolve as people. And right, every time the people laugh, they're like, I have hard enough time doing my hair. Why would I want to do someone else's? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, this is at a time where I'm definitely missing my, my hairstylist. <laughs> That's for sure. And, you know, it, it's, it, now we're just at a time where we just have to adjust and adapt to just do something completely different. But, um, Rita, you, I mean, you're heavy into social media, and so talk to us about using social media at a time like this. Actually, another um, area, especially for women, just because it doesn't mean men can't multitask, don't misunderstand me, but 
professional organizers, like that is a real business. So if you're good at being organized, that's a skill um, where you can help others. I just want to clap that. So as far as social media, um, I think that you need to make social media work for you. So here's what I mean. As a financial advisor, I'm subject to more regulation than a lot of other business owners. But I make social media work for me. Now, here's what I mean by that. LinkedIn is a platform that has been approved and was approved by compliance um, professionals at investment firms. So I've been on LinkedIn a while, and I know we exchange some messages on LinkedIn. And there are some financial advisors that market very successfully on LinkedIn. I, and where I'm going with this is, you have to make sure that what you do on social is something that you're comfortable with. So here's what I mean. This is a time where people have lost jobs. Some people, and I'm not judging them, will look at their clients on LinkedIn and will say, oh, so-and-so worked there. I wonder if they got laid off. You know what? I'm going to pick up the phone and call my client. There is nothing wrong with doing that, but that's just not me. I, I'm not going to do that. And it's so, the reason why I'm not going to do that is I don't think that is consistent with who I am. So when you interact with me on LinkedIn, I feel like I'm the same person in LinkedIn, so I'm the same person online as offline. Um, Twitter, I've met a lot of people on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook as much. Um, you know, I'm not on Facebook that much even in my personal life. Um, LinkedIn is the first social media platform, um, and I've been on it since Ameriprise days. And this is very funny. Back in the day, I had to connect with my compliance officer so he or she could make sure that I was compliant. So I couldn't really post anything, but I could use social media for listening and gathering information. I'm an introvert, so this was really helpful. Um, and then I wasn't allowed to post on Twitter, but I could have a Twitter account. And now since I've launched my own firm six years ago, I am active on Twitter, and I follow articles if I'm quoted with other planners. I share, and I include all of them on my tweets. So I, I've learned to make social media work for me. Um, I've had people say, hey, you know, Margarita. And I'm like, oh, this is a serious question. They're calling me by my legal name. <laughs> how much money have you made from social media and I tell people I'm like you can't necessarily view social media was it a return on investment I'm like you know I'm a finance girl and I really can't quantify that because I don't know what metric you want to use did I get more assets under management no not directly, or maybe I did. I, I don't know, but I think a better term to use is return on impact or return up, right, or the impression I'm having. Um, 
I mean, I have had people, I write a lot, because as you may recall from the beginning of our conversation, my degree was in East Asian language and literature and finance. So my first job was an analyst. I wrote a newsletter. So writing for me is very comfortable. I like to share stories. And I write to make personal finance accessible and relatable. And so sometimes people may find my writing on the internet or on social, but I think that if you're not comfortable with social media for skeptics, I completely understand where you're coming from. Just make it work for you. You don't have to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. I know some people say, well, you know, you got to do what makes you feel uncomfortable because what? It's uncomfortable, eventually becomes comfortable. Yes, there's some truth to that, but I think that you need to make it yours. Like, I'm not going to video myself when I'm in the grocery store. There's nothing wrong with someone who would do that, but I just don't think that's me. Like, what would I say? Like, salmon is expensive. Look at this kale. Like, I wouldn't know what to say. So <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But but, but doesn't mean it's bad who someone, if someone else decides to do that. Right. What I have to say about social was helpful. <laughs> right. Oh, so, Rita, so Blue Ocean Global Wealth, I mean, you really focus on um, diversity and uh, multicultural and education and collaboration. And I wanted to ask you um, kind of the mission of your company and how did you come up with the name? I definitely can answer your question. So I was inspired by the book Blue Ocean Strategy. And Blue Ocean Strategy um, basically means that you don't want to benchmark yourself to the competition. You can see what the competition is doing, but you don't necessarily measure yourself by the competition. So what is my Blue Ocean Strategy? So my ocean strategy, and today it might not be as innovative, was I separated financial planning from investment advice. Because back in the day, some people said to me, they're like, Rita, you're 32 years old. You're not going to make any money working with people who are less than 50 because they don't have money. And I realized that they were right. The problem with the business model back then is that the only way people could price advice was for you to say, hey, here's my portfolio. I have X amount of dollars I charge, whatever the case might be, and then I'll give you advice. It's like you have to have money to get good advice. And I thought that that was, I was troubled by that. It wasn't even that it was ridiculous. I was troubled by that because I thought about myself and my family. My dad came to America in the 60s. He had $17. I know that there's inflation. Even if you use inflation, it's what, probably 600 bucks today, a thousand. The point is it wasn't a lot of money. And so my Blue Ocean strategy is I wanted to create a firm that delivered financial planning advice separate from asset management advice that I wanted younger people or people from my more diverse multicultural backgrounds or women who maybe weren't comfortable talking about money to be able to have a safe place where they could 
A for financial advice and not necessarily have to buy products they didn't understand or need to get that advice. And so the Blue Ocean Strategies, I flipped it, that instead of, so a lot of people ask me, well, what's your minimum? And I'm like, I don't impose hard and fast asset minimums, but that does not mean I'll work with everybody. I do not take any money under management unless people do financial planning because it, it's only through planning, getting to understand you and all the details where I feel like I can give you the best advice. And so I collaborate with my clients. Collaboration is very important. It's a partnership. It's teamwork. Um, collaboration, diversity, respecting um, the cultural nuances and experiences that people have because they definitely shape how they make money decisions. And um, for many individuals and families, it's not me selling, oh, Margarita, Blue Ocean Wealth, I'm the best planner, that firm down the street is not any good. It, it, it's not that conversational. Many times people come to me, I'm the first planner I met, uh, they met, and it's just educating them Hey, here's how your 401k works. Here's how you pay student loans. It's not that people are, it's, it's not even that people lack financial literacy. They lack financial confidence. They want to make sure that I'm supporting them towards their goals. Right. You know, Rita, I have kept you much longer than I promised. <laughs> but... I really wanted to give you time to um, to really to really talk about your business and to talk about your your philosophy and um, how can folks reach you and how can they find you on social media? So sure, so folks can reach me. Um, they can visit my website, which is www.blueoceanglobalwealth.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm Margarita. Um, not quite like the drink, but, but you can pronounce it like the drink. So that's M-A-R-G-U-E-R-I-T-A, Chen, C-H-E-N-G. Or on Twitter, direct message me at BlueOceanGW. Yes, you can email me. I mean, I... Sometimes people just have a question. I'm here to answer any questions you have. Great. And the email address? Oh, sure. My email is mchang at blueoceanglobalwealth.com. And remember, M-C-H-E-N-G at blueoceanglobalwealth.com. Okay. Well... Margarita Rita Chang, I want to thank you so much for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show and sharing um, your your knowledge and insight on you know how folks can make their lives better. And um, I'm so happy that we connected, and of course we'll we'll stay connected. A talk she was live and recorded, and so once it uploads, I will post this on my social media sites and I invite others to do the same. Please uh, 
check and connect with Rita for some sound advice, um, especially during this time. We're all looking for ways to, to make our lives better for ourselves and for our family. So I want to thank you so much for, for tuning in this evening. And I want to thank you again, Rita, for uh, just sharing your time and, and just a wealth of knowledge and information. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Enjoy the rest of your week. So have a fabulous week. Have a fabulous evening. And I will chat with you later. And everyone have just be blessed and uh, just be blessed and enjoy this time with, uh, with your loved ones and, and friends. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye, Rita. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.